Irish NFL show. Firstly, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate all our listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we would massively appreciate it. Also, reach out to us on social media. We love interacting with listeners and with fans from wherever you are in the world. And with that said, on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Irish NFL show with me, Colum Cronin. And I am delighted to welcome, I think it's safe to say, a good friend of the show at this point. He's always a wonderful guest. He is incredibly knowledgeable. He is a beat writer at ChiefsDigest.com. He is also uh, a published author, and he is a man who joined us uh, live from outside uh, State Farm Stadium in Phoenix just back in February. Matt Derrick, welcome back to the Irish NFL Show. It is great to be here, Colm. And, uh, I, you know, I wore the Irish NFL pen that you gave me with my emerald green hoodie on St. Patrick's Day. So once again, thank you very much. That was a great opportunity to catch up with all of you in the, at the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, uh, you know, what what a game we got to, to witness. And obviously the, the Chiefs once again um, kind of, you know, ending uh, with, with glory. And I suppose it's, it's an interesting one because we're now in a, a point, right, where Eric Bieniemy has moved on and Matt Nagy is back in as offensive coordinator um but ever since Nagy left I mean obviously look it coincides with Patrick Mahomes but like when you start and as a Broncos fan let me tell you Matt this is different <laughs> but I take a look you've got 2018 the Chiefs lose a crazy game uh to the Patriots in the AFC Championship on you know some would say an errorless um refereeing decision at the 2019 win the Super Bowl, 2020 lose the Super Bowl to to the Bucks, 2021 lose in the championship game in another kind of a crazy game against the the Bengals, and 2022 uh, they they win they win it all um, with a, a phenomenal, truly phenomenal, particularly second half performance where they basically made the best defense in the league look pedestrian. Well, Matt Nagy, okay, he was back last year, but um, I, I think there seems to be this kind of feeling he's the heir apparent and he's back in, in, in the kingdom. Talk to me a little bit about that because she, you know, he's back, but the Chiefs have had Andy Reid, had Patrick Holmes. They've done pretty well when he hasn't been around. Yes, and... And he's been obviously around for quite a while. I mean, he was he was a part of Andy Reid's staff, um, you know, really from the beginning back in 2013 here in Kansas City um, and later earned a promotion to offensive coordinator. So he's been around for a while. And as a result, I mean, and, and remember, there hasn't been a lot of turnover with this staff. So even though, you know, there have been the occasional departures, um, you know, Greg Lewis also was one of the assistants who left this offseason. There have been a few here and there, but there are so many people on this offensive coaching staff who've been with Andy Reid for a while and, and were even with Matt the first time around. Uh, it really doesn't feel like there has been a lot of change. Um, you know, certainly nobody's talking about it 
for the most part as being you know anything different and i think a big part of it is that you know uh, matt nagy and, and andy reed i i think are picking up right where they left off um certainly the year back last year um and letting matt have an opportunity to maybe be a a bit more of a big picture guy and and not having to have his hands involved as you know day to day as much in the offense cuz as Eric Bieniemy was there and 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 it really you know Matt was had an opportunity to kind of reacquaint himself with Mahomes and just kind of catch his breath and you know reacquaint himself with everything that the team does and and yeah, like I said even take a look at the big picture stuff and maybe some things that they could do differently um, you're not hearing a lot of that about, you know, anything tweaks or anything like that, that they may do differently. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt that it, from a, at least from the outside, it seems as though that Matt's picked up right where he was, uh, certainly with the relationship with Mahomes and, um, they're just plugging along. I mean, obviously they've been putting some new elements into the offense that I'm sure Matt has had a, a part of. Um, Andy's always got some things up his sleeve that he wants to do as well, as far as their installs go. Um, but from the outside, at least they're presenting the image that it has just been calm and cool, that there's really not a whole lot of change. And, and you're right, you know, it, it all relates back to big red. So with, with Andy Reed, you know, as he likes to say, having 51% ownership, um, things don't really change when one person or, or even two people leave. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of fascinating to see, you know, the, the way in which the, the chiefs, like the, there's been some change, but. You know, there there haven't there haven't been major overalls, and we talked a little bit about you know um, in this lead up to the Super Bowl with you about Brendan Daly and the change he made. So there's kind of been change from from within at times, but when you have Andy Reid there, in terms of you know what what you're expecting to to maybe be a, a little bit different, because there have been I suppose some changes again to to personnel. But ultimately, you know, you, you do have Patrick Mahomes, you do, you do have Andy Reid. You sprinkled in uh, a, a few bits and pieces uh, during, um, you know, th- this offseason and in the draft. But um, ultimately, even though, you know, it, it is, um, say, Matt Nagy coming in, I mean, it, it, like, what... Is there is there is much going to change? Is like I I, I suppose I'm so used to it, right? In the I the way I see this is as long as Andy Reid is in situ and Patrick Mahomes is there, for me, not that they'll win it every year, but the Chiefs start out every year's day, right? They have to, right? When you've got those two. Um and, and it, it just felt like again, right, Vic Fangio basically comes up with this idea about essentially how to stop Patrick Mahomes. And it's ultimately completely unsuccessful right um it doesn't work at all during his time with the broncos and it doesn't work league-wide everyone tries to copy it because it's a copycat league they put these two high shell in it's no good it doesn't work um and and so there there's just like they keep coming up with ideas patrick holmes keeps finding ways to break it down like is this just the way it's gonna roll for the next decade it's it's hard for me to see it not changing when you've got those two guys together because on the one hand i mean we have arguably you know the the lump of clay that is patrick mahomes is just i mean i I, he would be a success without andy reed i don't think there's any doubt about that but andy reed is i mean the offensive mind of his generation i don't think there's any doubt about that so 
if 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 Patrick Mahomes without Andy Reid was the quarterback of his generation, and you've got Andy Reid together, how do you stop that? I mean, I think it's it's next to impossible, barring injuries. Knock on wood for the Chiefs, <laughs> but. but uh, yeah, you know, and so much of it goes back to this time of year, because right now, you know, what the Chiefs are doing, what they have done in the last few weeks as, you know, they'll take all the film from last year and start going through it and looking at not just what worked, but especially what didn't work. And, and Andy Reid's got a system. I mean, they, he will have the, the staff put together all of the video cuts. So, you know, Mahomes will have all of his reads, you know, of a particular read. You know, like, uh, you know, what, you know, I know one time when I asked Andy Reid for this example, he talked about, okay, here are all of his ZN throws from last year. And he'll go through and look at those and see, you know, which ones worked, which ones didn't, you know, why they didn't work. You know, then they'll do Z outs. I mean, they'll do anything and everything and, and break them down, just, you know, that, that incrementally and look at everything. And you can bet, I mean, Andy Reid knows exactly what didn't work last year. They've gone into the analytics and they've said, okay, here were the areas where we struggled. Here were the throws that we struggled. Why? You know, was it the coverages? Was it the execution? What is it? They're looking at the, at the film and breaking that down. So, I mean, he's trying to stay one step ahead of the defensive coordinators who will be finding out and looking at, the, you know, what did the, hey, where did the Chiefs struggle last year? Where can we attack that? Well, Andy's going to make sure Patrick's ready for that. So, you know, as a defensive coordinator, I almost think you have to be two steps ahead of Andy Reid because he's always going to be one step ahead of you as it is. So if you're going to stop him, you not only need to be ready for what you're planning to do, but you also got to be ready for what, you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to respond to that. I mean, this is a chess game between these guys and defensive coordinators. And you're right. I mean, who has come up with the winning formula so far? I mean, no one really has permanently. I mean, I think there have been some temporary... Uh, approaches that we've seen that have been effective. But once, you know, Mahomes and Reed go back to the laboratory, as they like to call it, um, they tinker up and they come up with solutions. So, and and then you look at last year, which where were the faults in the Chiefs offense? I, I mean, I can't really tell you where they were. They didn't have a lot of mistakes last year. And there was nothing that really scheme-wise that, that seemed to resonate at some point. So if you're a defensive coordinator, I don't know how you you go back and look at last year's film and, and figure out how you're going to attack these guys because, you know, Mahomes has addressed a lot of deficiencies that he, he has had in past seasons. So where are the deficiencies now? Good luck, because I can't find them. <laughs> yeah, and I like, I suppose it goes back to the fact that, you know, you have in... In Andy Reid, just the, just the, the genius mind, and, and the fact that you then have a player who can put all that into action. And I suppose you think back to the Super Bowl, and you think back to the kind of the two plays they they ran against, particularly the Eagles, where they realized about the the jet sweep and the way in which the the Eagles were endeavoring to ensure they didn't get burned by the jet jet sweep. And this is what the the Chiefs figured out, and they ran it twice. And and lo and behold, and and it you, you let me, as a as an opposing fan, it can be it's so frustrating, but they keep fighting away. It's like goes back to when they're backed up in the end zone as they were against the the Jags, and Tra Travis Kelsey just finds that that ability, and it just seems that yeah, it's that combination. I am intrigued because there will undoubtedly be a response. To and Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, what will it be? Um, but I, I just, 
I don't think prevent is ever going to kind of work against um, the the Chiefs. And maybe if we kind of look in in a little bit in terms of the the schedule, because the Chiefs will open up against the the Lions, who you know I I, I like to say that Detroit went from being the factory of sadness to the house of fun last year because they were wildly entertaining um, uh, on offense. But there's a lot of expectation now with Aaron Rodgers out of that division and you know with what the way in which the Lions have been building and pressure can do funny things you know it's all very well when nobody's expecting you to do anything um were you were you surprised that the the league decided to open up against the the Lions there had been I suppose a, a number of different rumors one was that the could be the the Eagles I think Sean Payton and Broncos were were mentioned as well. Ultimately, it is Dan Campbell's lads who who will take on the Chiefs. Was that a, a bit surprising, or did that kind of make sense? That it, it it kind of surprised me a little bit because you know part of me still thought that the the NFL may go with a more compelling storyline, and I thought, hey, Sean Payton and the Broncos and the Chiefs. That was probably one of the more compelling storylines they would go with. I didn't think that they would put the Eagles or the Bengals or the Bills, any of those teams in a situation of, of having to go to Kansas City and watch the Super Bowl celebration. Uh, I think that's a tough thing to do to any team. Um, I was in New England in 2017 when the when the Chiefs sat there and watched what felt like a six-hour pregame show for the for the Patriots celebrating their Super Bowl win. And, you know, that's a tough thing to do. So I'm, I'm grateful to the NFL that they don't put, you know, regular rivals or other teams that are in that kind of category. And the Eagles having to be, come to Kansas City for the season over well would have been a great storyline. I would have felt so bad for the Eagles. And I probably wouldn't have given the Chiefs a chance to win that game because the Eagles would have absolutely wanted to just pound the Chiefs <laughs> in retribution after what they had to sit through. Uh, so when you eliminate all of that, and certainly you look at what the NFL has, you know, trended to in the last few years, interconference seems to be the way to go. I mean, they, they look at those games as, uh, you know, the least impactful. So, you know, to a degree, hey, the, the Detroit-Kansas City game shouldn't decide anything. I mean, those interconference games, as far as tiebreakers go, ultimately are the least meaningful games on the on the calendar. And I think the NFL is leading into it, that, 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 the opening game on Thursday night is a celebration of the the champions and trying to, if you're going to make it into anything else, I think it's a disservice to the opponent to a degree. So I think they're leaning into it. I mean, as far as saying, okay, let's, let's let this be the game that stands alone. It is the, the chance for the defending champions at home to celebrate and kind of be their last chance of glory of celebrating before they really, the season gets underway and they're leaning into it. So from that standpoint, I mean, yeah, I thought there were better storylines. But if you get down to, you know, what makes the most sense with what the NFL is kind of approaching with Thursday night and opening night, the lines made the most sense. So uh, and and you know what? It's got a chance to, like you said, be a very entertaining game. I mean, I never thought that the the, the, the Lions under Dan Campbell would be a freewheeling offense. But that's what they turned into last year. And if, if, hey, if they're able to back it up this year and do it on Thursday night against the Chiefs, that could be a really high-scoring, entertaining contest. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. They they will be one of the teams, definitely. I think everyone's going to be keeping an eye on. And uh, everyone's going to be keeping an eye on the Chiefs because they're in prime time uh, so frequently. But obviously, one of the things that stands out, particularly to those of us on this side of the Atlantic, is the trip to Germany. Now, everyone knew 
it was coming. I mean, we, you know, the, the, the billboard when everyone was heading back to the airport last year, um, well, Travis Kelsey with the arms outstretched and CSU. In terms, again, of the, the matchup that was picked, I mean, it, it's a, it could be an intriguing matchup because I suppose an awful lot depends on um, Chua's health and fingers crossed. I mean, he's got the all clear, but, you know, we, we all saw it last year. But you have potentially two explosive offenses going up against one another. Once again, you have Vic Fangio in the mix. Though I do point out, you know, the Eagles brought him in on a short-term contract. Patrick Holmes still managed to put up uh, 38 points. Um, but that is probably one of the most high-profile games that we've seen in an international setting. And was that something that, you know, how much input did the, the Chiefs have into that? And also the fact that they're taking the bye afterwards, because that's something that's kind of become... Um, you know, pre if we go back maybe kind of three or four years, teams always took the bite right there. But now teams kind of have that decision. Um, and some teams do, some teams don't. I suppose, do, do you know in terms of the, the Chiefs, was that an easy decision that they were going to take the bite? Especially given, I suppose, that it is in November, whereas those London games come much earlier in October. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, obviously that's so, sometimes an organizational philosophy, but I, I think it, my understanding, I think it was a pretty easy decision for the Chiefs to go ahead and take the bye after that, because as you mentioned, it's in November. I mean, so by taking the bye after that, you know, you've got a bye in November 12th weekend. That's about as good as you can get. I mean, there's only a few more weeks of buys after that. And I, I think November buys are especially valuable. I mean, the later you can get your bye week, the better. And then when you add on, you know, the, the rest of the schedule and, and they, hey, the Chiefs would have opted for this before they knew, you know, what their first eight weeks were going to look like. But, you know, I, I, I do think that, hey, that's a good time to get a bye week before especially the rest of the campaign comes up. I mean, the, I think the Chiefs toughest part of their schedule is right after that Germany game. Maybe it starts with the Germany game. You could make the argument. Um, the one thing I think is really interesting about the, the choice of the, the, the opponents for this game is that, you know, we heard a lot, you know, and this came from some German reports that it was going to be the Bears. And and maybe that was wishful thinking that, you know, the, the Bears have, a I guess, a decent worldwide following. So maybe that was the, the hope there. But I, I think it says a lot that, you know, that the Chiefs were willing to have this Dolphins game because, uh, you know, Clark Hunt, as the owner of the Chiefs, has been a strong proponent of, the, of expanding the game internationally for a long time. His entire family has been. So, you know, and, and he has made it, you know, prominent that he wanted the Chiefs to be, you know, one of the first teams to to go to Germany. He would like for them to be active in, you know, even being an opponent in some road games for international games. And that's saying something when you got the face of the NFL and you're willing to go on the road. I think that's kind of putting their money where their mouth is. I mean, the Chiefs want to grow the game. Clark Hunt wants to grow the game internationally. And to do that, you've got to put compelling games overseas. And to your point, I mean... Is there really a game that has stood out on the international series where you say this this was two great you know playoff opponents battling overseas? No, I mean I don't think we've really seen that. And you know the Chiefs for them and for I know for Clark Hunt it was important that this be a valuable game that it's something that you know put on an NFL show. And I don't see how you know if if you've got Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you know Tua Tonga the Valoa, and Tyree Kill on the field at the same time, that's going to be a compelling matchup. That is your best athletes. That's your best players. 
that you want to show the rest of the world. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's a perfect opponent for the NFL. I think it's a template that they need to be using going forward that this just can't be throwaway games. They need to put valuable matchups and put their best properties out there and their best players because that's how you're going to get more fans by showing them the best product you can. Yeah, but it has been unusual, uh, you know, uh, and it, it's funny. I, I mean, I think for a number of years, it was kind of a team, teams almost begrudgingly went, right, for a time. And, and, and over time, that has definitely changed. But even then, it was, you know, not, you didn't, they didn't tend to, to send the star teams. I mean, look, the Packers only, uh, you know, finally came over to London last year. Um, and, and at other times, sometimes we'd look at the, when the announcement was made in May and think, oh, this could be intriguing. But it, it was so long, I think it was only last year that we finally had a matchup between two teams who, when they arrived on this side of the Atlantic, actually had a winning record. So uh, I do think Germany changes things. And I think owners, um, like you have now at the, the Chiefs, I think people like Arthur Blank at the, at the Falcons and others are, are really keen on growing the, the league internationally, I think it is, to me, it's only a matter of time before you see a game in Paris, a game in Madrid, I imagine a game in, in Rio and, and elsewhere. So it'll be interesting to, to see um, how that happens. And and of course, the, the buy afterwards means that Andy Reid gets some extra time to plan for that game against the Eagles. And we know what Andy Reid's teams tend to, to be like uh, when they have extra time. One, I suppose, if we look a little bit in terms of um, a couple of the, the personnel um, decisions, because um, the, when Clive Edwards and Lair was selected, and, and this kind of goes to the draft point, uh, you know, everybody's always excited when the draft pick happens, but he was spoken of incredibly high by Andy Reid, by people in the organization, but ultimately they have decided not to pick up the, the fifth-year option. Now, that is not the end. Again, going back to the Broncos, Garrett Bowles didn't work out. Um, at that time, ended up signing a long-term contract. But I think more often than not, it does tend to mean that the player moves on. For CH, Matt, is it just... Has it been the the, the injuries? Has it been the, the scheme? Why hasn't it really worked? Because... He, he was a player that was so highly spoken of. The potential was there. And you imagined it. When when people talked about it, it seemed on paper. And this is, I suppose, the disconnect between paper and, and the field. But why hasn't it worked to this point? Yeah, I think the first thing you absolutely have to point to are the injuries. I mean, if you, you look at the numbers, I mean, Clyde's numbers haven't been terrible. I mean, he's averaged like about, you know, what, four and a half, four point six 4.6 yards a carry. That's not terrible. I mean, that's that's a good, solid number. I mean, it's it's not, you know, not Joel Charles, but that's a kind of a high standard to compare him to. Um, but he's been solid. But the problem has been availability. Uh, you know, he hasn't been able to put together a completely fully healthy season. Um, he had a, you know, a, after the surgery that he had, but where I, he was probably not entirely healthy his entire second year in, this, in the league. Um, but it's just been kind of, you know, one, you know, bad luck injury after another for Clyde. And I don't think it's necessarily been a scheme fit either. I mean, he he should, in theory, fit very well into this offense. Um, but I think it's just been able to be consistent and to be available consistently and, you know, kind of carve out his role. 
and you've seen that when he's been banged up, other guys have been able to step up and, and then find their own niche. Um, you know, uh, you know, Jerick McKinnon being a great example of that. I mean, Jerick McKinnon is not a, an every down back, but when Clyde was out, he found a way to make him part himself a part of the the offense as far as the third down back and the the receiving back. And and that was supposed to be a role that Clyde was supposed to excel in. So, you know, the injury's been one. And then two is probably unreasonable, unreasonable expectations that we've had for him from the very beginning. And and the Chiefs are probably responsible for that to a degree. You're right. I mean, they were making great comparisons about him to Bryant Westbrook and, you know, how he could fit into this offense as a, as a great chess piece. Well, you know, I mean, that kind of glossed over some of the other things, which is that Clyde's a very small running back in this league, you know, very undersized for the position. And, you know, and that can have its own challenges. You know, you know, being a little smaller back means that sometimes you can't withstand the punishment. Maybe that has translated into the injuries as well. It's hard to tell, you know, or if that's just bad luck. But, you know, the you know, in retrospect, the thing is, is that, you know, the Chiefs kind of took Clyde because that was their kind of best player available. But it wasn't necessarily the plan. I mean, uh, they would have, I think, loved to have traded out of that last pick in the first round that year or the second, the next last pick in the round. But they couldn't get out of it because, um, you know, there was no trade partner. I mean, they really wanted to trade back into the second round, but nobody wanted to trade up for that number 32 pick and everything. And so Clyde was the guy that was like, okay, well, he's the best player available, so let's go ahead and take that. They didn't have any, you know, obvious needs. So they kind of just took this chess piece and... I get nervous anytime describe somebody describes a player as a chess piece because it usually means that they only have one role and you can't necessarily see a, a larger piece for them. Uh, it just seems to be one of those bad luck terms for me whenever I hear it. So uh, maybe maybe Clyde just has been miscast from the very beginning. The injuries have certainly not helped. I still think there's talent there. Uh, maybe he just needs a fresh start. He could find a reboot in Kansas City. There is no doubt about it. I mean, Right now, he's a part of the team for this year. Uh, he could certainly carve out a role. Um, but I, I kind of get the sense that I think that both he and the Chiefs are probably ready to move on. And I think he probably would be you know, welcoming of a new opportunity and a new offense. Uh, if they're if both are ready to, to move on, I, I suppose on the, the flip side of that, I, I imagine a player who the, the Chiefs very much want to keep is Chris Jones. And... Do you um, get get a sense of how close things are to getting a contract done? Is that likely to be weeks is, or will it drag on towards, you know, closer to the start of the season? Um, weeks is probably the, the right term. I, I don't know if it'll stretch into months. I don't think it will get into uh, necessarily deep into August or close to September in the beginning of the season. Um, the last time that the, the Chiefs and Chris Jones were kind of in this similar situation, uh, they got things done in, in July, just before the beginning of training camp. So um, similar timeline this time around would not surprise me. I mean, Chris is under contract for another season, so there's no danger of him going anywhere. Um, but both sides would like to get something resolved. I mean, Chris would love to have a long-term deal in place so he can kind of play without that cloud hanging over him in his final year after the deal. The Chiefs would certainly like the security of locking it up because if Chris Jones goes out and has another 15-sack season, the price tag next summer is not going to be what it would be right now. And there's a chance that some other contracts with you know other defensive tackles may get done that might change the price. So, yeah, I, I, I certainly still get the indication from both sides that they want to get something done. 
closer to training camp is is certainly the more likely timeline. We'll see what happens. Really, the next uh, thing to see is will, will you know Chris show up for the offseason workouts, which you know are optional this time of year. So we will see if during OTAs and mini camp, which is the, the mandatory mini camp, if he will show up for those. Uh, we'll see, but. I think the real time to watch will be in, in July. I think that's going to be the deadline to watch. And and I suppose in terms of his partner in crime, um, Frank Clark, are we are we likely to see Frank back in Kansas City? You think? I think it becomes you know more and more likely every day that somebody else doesn't sign Frank. Um, you know, I know that you know Frank at this time point in his career was hoping that there would be a multi year deal out there for him. Um, but it just never, never materialized. And I wasn't sure if it was going to with some of his off the field baggage and uh, his age and everything. Uh, at this point, I think the Chiefs value him still more than anybody else in the league. So I, I do think it's the best place for him. Um, as an older player, I certainly wouldn't blame him if he wants to wait until after OTAs and the mini camp are over. You get a, a few more weeks of rest and the, the rest of the body. Uh, we see that a lot of times with veterans, they will wait until June and July to, to choose where they want to play. Um, but uh, the Chiefs certainly seem interested, and we know that Chris Jones is campaigning for him on social media. So I, I do think it's it's more likely than not that Chris will come back with the Chiefs, or Frank rather. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's the the Jadavian Cloudy, I suppose, infamously uh, would would wait until kind of the the last moment. But for for Frank, for Frank, especially given how you know we talk about playoff Lenny, but my goodness, playoff Frank, um, you know, the, the Chiefs can probably uh, if if he if it does take a little bit of while to get that one done, rather than Chris Jones, I think things will things will be okay there. Um, if you know, interested in your thoughts on the rest of the the division because the the Chiefs have been so dominant for so long in the AFC West, and you know, a last last year, right? There was all the talk, all the arms race, and oh my goodness, there were people ready to dethrone the the Chiefs and. Um, you know, Josh McDaniels was going to be such a success in his second stint, and Nathaniel Hackett had all these wonderful I- ideas, and well, the Chargers had won the off season, um, and we we know how that turned out. I will I will say, um, the o- opposing teams, other than the the Chargers, who always knock it out of the park on schedule release videos, but I, I think in terms of how the teams are talking, they have been noticeably. Quiet this year. Even with Sean Payton coming in to Denver, they really, you know, have have haven't, um, you know, been any big pronouncements, any anything, even saying, you know, we want to get the win against the the Chiefs because it's been so long. There's been nothing like that. They've deliberately kept things quiet. But uh, from your position, you know, where the the Chiefs been able to lord it over the division, what are your thoughts on where uh, the the AFC West stands. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it makes a great point that I think that this has been the best offseason for the rest of the division um, in the Patrick Mahomes era because I don't think there is a lot of pressure this time around. Um, you know, even every year, yeah, you're right, it seems like everybody gives the the preseason championship to the Chargers or the offseason, the offseason AFC West banner. And, you know, and that's a difficult task. You know, that's a difficult thing to live up to. And I think they have probably wilted a little under the pressure in the past. 
Um, right now, it doesn't seem like there's any pressure on anyone in the AFC West. I mean, everybody this year has resigned to the idea that, okay, the Chiefs are at the top of the power poles. Um, they're going to be back. It's who can challenge them. But it's not presumed that anybody is going to take them down. Hey, to me, it's always going to come down to the quarterback. So which team is best situated? I, I still think that the Chargers, in that standpoint, are the best situated. I think they've got the best quarterback situation, offensive situation. Um, you know, we will see if it can all come together for them. And this year, you know, without the pressure, if maybe that they're able to respond. But they're in a transition period. I mean, this is, to a degree, maybe the really kind of last run for the Chargers before they have to to retool a bit. I mean, they're going to have to sign Herbert, and they've got a lot of salary cap problems with some of their veterans. So they're going to have a different team moving forward. I mean, they're going to probably have a lot of younger players to surround Herbert with. So this might be the last kind of run of this core Chargers group to see if they can get it done. I'm really interested to see what happens in Denver because, you know, Sean Payton is an incredible coach. I thought there were signs last year of, of Russell Wilson starting to kind of get things together a little bit. And I think he's fixable. I mean, I don't think that the Russell Wilson, you know, issues the last year and the charge the problems with the Broncos offense, I don't think they were insurmountable. I mean, and if anybody can fix them, Sean Payton is one of the guys who can. And if he's confident that he can win with Russell Wilson, I think he can. So, um, they obviously needed some, you know, to get some more protection for him, which they've done. I mean, they, the, I think the Broncos have improved in the right places. We'll just see if it's enough. And then, and, and, and the Raiders, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has won, um, hasn't beaten the Chiefs. I mean, that's kind of one thing that's missing from his resume. If he had a winner of the Chiefs, he have a Super Bowl championship. Um, but is he enough to get the Raiders over the finish line? I, I don't know. I, I think there's still a lot of systemic problems with the Ve- with the Vegas and the Raiders. So, I don't know if they're ready to compete yet. I don't know if Jimmy G's going to be the one to, to finally get them over the hurdle. I don't think he's significantly better than Derek Carr. So, uh, you know, even though he's won games, I don't think, I, I think a lot of ways Carr might even be the better quarterback. So we will find out this year. But I, I think the Chargers are still the best situated. The Broncos, I think, have the best chance to, to bounce up and to surprise some people. I think the Raiders are going to be the Raiders, though. So, I, I mean, I could be surprised, but I feel like that they're just, Gonna, they're gonna, they're going to live out one more year and then see what the future lies. <laughs> yeah, I I would tend to agree with you on uh, the the Derek Carr situation. Not I, I not that I think he's an exceptional quarterback. I think a couple of things. I think that the quarterbacking has changed. Right, I think you need to be more mobile. I mean, essentially, like if Patrick like Patrick Holmes is. Like, think about how just how good he is in, in the pocket and everything he does. But if Patrick Mahomes can't use his legs in the way that he does, well, the Chiefs don't beat the Eagles in February because he, that's what he brings you. And Derek, that's why Derek Carr probably, if Derek Carr is, you know, 10, is in an era like 10 years prior, he, he would be, mu- I think, a much better quarterback. I think he's just um, the last of that, like, Pod, purely kind of pocket presence and, and can't really work maybe uh, outside of that. I, but I do think his leadership is maybe underappreciated. When you go back to the Gruden season and, and trying to deal with that, and then you had the Henry Ruggs situation, he was the only thing holding that franchise together. And I thought he did quite well. And I think they let him down. And, in, in, you know, I, I don't, I, I think, I, I think they've, downgraded at QB honestly whether he's good enough to lead the Saints that's probably comes down to that division and and it probably helps that that it's not a a great division for for Derek Carr and the Saints 
you know, I think he's certainly right now the best QB in that we, we will see. In um, you know, in, I suppose uh, conscious of your time, you've been very generous. But are are you at all surprised that given the quarterbacks in the AFC and Lamar has signed that extension? Were you at all surprised that um, Aaron Rodgers decided to enter the AFC? Because when you look at the NFC, um, you, you would have to, if you're Howie Roseman um, and you now have, uh, you know, your your quarterback under contract, you've got to be pretty happy because it's, you know, I mean, t- talk about like basically um, in comparison, like the AFC is full of pitfalls and various obstacles one has to overcome. The, the NFC, less so. Yeah, I mean, if if you are choosing a, a place to go as a veteran, free agent-ish quarterback, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, Aaron kind of created his own free agency to a degree. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking from a pure competition standpoint, I think you would go to the NFC because I think it's an easier path to, you know, if you want to win a Super Bowl, if you want to win a championship, yeah, I mean, I think as a quarterback, it's an easier path right now. Uh, it's much more difficult, I think, in the AFC where, you know, you've got three guys who are absolutely at the top of the division right now. And I think even the fourth, fifth and sixth guys in the conference are still probably better than a lot of the quarterbacks in the NFC. So, you know, going over there, that standpoint, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but I guess the 30,000 foot view from my standpoint, at least, you know, is looking at the situations and what you see and hear. I mean, I can only assume that a lot of Aaron's thinking was just going someplace where he's going to have more authority and maybe control than he's had in the past. You know, that's certainly something that he never really seemed to have in Green Bay was, you know, the opportunity to kind of, you know, pick his coaches, pick his his his, his teammates, pick his receivers, have a voice in, in a lot of the organization. And it seems like the Jets, they're willing to give him that, you know, that he is going to have a little bit more of a voice, that he's going to have some, you know, a little bit of leeway with, you know, who are going to be the coaches that he's working with and who are going to be his targets. So if it's more about, you know, control of your situation and making sure that you're in a comfortable environment, I, I get that from Aaron's standpoint. I'm probably, I'm one of the the few people, I guess, who's just not sold on the Jets. Um, Missouri, where I live, is the show me state. So you have to show me uh, I'm just not haven't seen anything from the Jets and then from Aaron Rodgers, you know, that, that tell me that they're all of a sudden going to be a playoff team and, you know, a, a, a Super Bowl contender. I guess I just saw the show before with Brett Favre and I maybe I'm, I'm colored by that and just think it's going to be a repeat performance. But I see a lot of similarities and I can't get past it. So we will see. But I'm, I'm interested to see what Jets team is, is shows up with the Chiefs in week four. I mean, that's a a contest that a lot of people are kind of circling and I'm interested in it too. But right now, I mean, I think the Chiefs are going to win that one pretty comfortably. We'll, we'll see what happens between now and then though. Yeah, it will, it will be interesting to see because I mean, I, I am um, something of a skeptic uh, alongside you, but I will say that I have found it very interesting how engaged Aaron Rodgers has been. Um, and, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers throwing a football in May, Aaron Rodgers actually talking to the media, um, you know, if, if, and and I'm somebody who generally takes a player aside and I think players get too much flack because 
you know, franchises get to make business decisions all the time and nobody bats an eye and a player makes a business decision and it's the worst thing in the world. But I, I, I would, if I was a Packers fan watching that and the way he kind of orchestrated the exit and all of a sudden he's gone from kind of sulking for two years to grinning ear to ear and being super engaged, that's got to grate a, a little bit. Um, Maybe finally, uh, Matt, one, one uh, final question. Is there, you know, um, be it... NFC, AFC be a team player situation. Um, what are you? Is there something that intrigues you going? Uh, you know, going that you'll be looking for in the the twenty twenty three. It can be again. It could be for good or bad reasons. It could be that you you think they're going to, something is going to work really well. It could be oh, I think that could all fall apart. Uh, you, you, we cut out a little bit there. Was that just uh, NFL wide or for the Chiefs or? I know, and NFL wide can be AFC, NFC. I mean, I'm really interested to see what, what happens with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Uh, you know, I there's no doubt. I mean, he's a tremendous talent. Absolutely, um, his MVP season was a fantastic year. I mean, there's a lot that he can do. I'm just, I'm not sure that that he's a complete quarterback on the level of the the other guys in the AFC right now. Um, you know, he, he, there's no doubt. I mean, I, he can, he can get things done. I just don't know if his style of game and the rest of the league and where the NFL is going right now are in the same place. And, you know, and I, I, I the, the Baltimore to me, you know, especially with the way that they play football, they are a great from ahead team. If they can play from ahead consistently, yes, this is a team that absolutely can go 14 and three and make a deep run. But, you know, are they a team that's going to be able to come back from 14 points down? I just still don't know if that's the quarterback that Lamar Jackson is or not. Um, I mean, he's so much fun to watch. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I just don't know if long term, you know, if availability is going to be the key to him. You know, if, if you know, having a full 17 game season and then the playoffs, too, with his style of play is so difficult to do. I mean, we will see. Uh, but I have the same kind of questions about, you know, Tua and Miami as well. I mean, that is another player who was absolutely a thrill to watch. Um, I, the other, the only other thing that I'm really interested in is to see if anybody figures out how to stop the Eagles uh, quarterback sneak. Because if if the rest of the league can't figure out how to stop it, everybody's going to be running it. Um, I don't know how the Chiefs are going to run it because they're not going to do that with Patrick Mahomes. They'll have to, they still have Blake Bell. So I guess they'll put a tight end back there and, and shove him from behind. <laughs> but that's the one single coaching thing I want to see this year is if defensive coordinators can figure out how to stop the Eagle sneak. Yeah, that that will be. I see. I, I think there are a couple of things. I think there will be certain teams, you know, like the Chiefs, like the Bengals, that are just aren't ever going to put their QB in that position. Um, but equally, I I think yeah, I think look at copycat league. I think you'll see some teams do it. But I guarantee somebody's going to like undoubtedly make and. A, a complete mess of it um, in, you know, um, and just because the Eagles run it so well, and I, I think people will think that it's easy to do um, and we'll probably end up with something like what, you know, happened at the end of the ravens Bengals game um, with uh, Taylor Huntley fumbling the, the, the ball uh, at, at inevitably. But yeah, we, we shall, we shall see. Um, Always enjoyed chatting with you, Matt, and you're a great follow on on Twitter. For our listeners who want to check out more of your stuff, um, and I would definitely advocate they do that, but where is the best place for them to do that? 
I am usually most active on Twitter at, at Matt Derrick. Um, Chiefs Digest on Facebook as well, and you can go to ChiefsDigest.com. And we will make sure to put those links in the show notes. Uh, Matt, hopefully we can have you on maybe uh, as training camp is uh, kind of winding down and we're getting ready for the new season and we can see uh, whether Chris Jones has signed that new contract and where exactly the Chiefs are at. But for right now, uh, thank you very much for taking the time to chat to me today. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. Take care, everybody.